Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now. Go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Here's your playoff rankings. Number one, LSU. Two, Ohio State. Three, Clemson. Four, Georgia, which is ludicrous. They lost to South Carolina. They just give the benefit of the doubt so much to the SEC that it is maddening. That's true for Alabama, too. They just lost. At least Alabama lost to the best team in the country. These are the vagaries of basing this whole thing on opinion. Just flat stupid. South Carolina is four and six. Why not put Oregon in there? Oregon has one loss to a SEC team. That's right, and that's working against them. If the SEC gets all this respect, shouldn't that actually be working for them? From the Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. With the Jazz, we know exactly what they are, what they have. There's nothing to really say like this team lacks any particular basketball skill. They're fine. They're like a really good, solid, deep roster. And what we're going to judge them on week after week from now until the spring and we're assessing their readiness to contend is how do they match up with the most talented teams in the conference or in the league for that matter. But especially because we know the star power of the conference. Those are not doubts about them. It's just that's the bar that they have to to be measured by. Utah, their, their path to get in, really, what they have to do is they have to absolutely massacre these last four teams left and just cream Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. But how schedule. stupid a standard is that? And what difference does it make? All you have to do is win. That's that, all you should have to do. All this other stuff is cosmetics. Okay, you're going to beat Arizona by 45 points instead of 25. And that makes you worthy somehow? It's stupid. But that's the path Let's to see, these are things that shouldn't really matter. Chris Maddox, Bogdanovich, has surprised us a little bit. This dude is not just a spot-up shooter. What people who didn't watch Bojan last year missed was a guy that carried that offense. He was the number one option on that team when Victor Oladipo went down. He's that good. He's capable of being an alpha. I don't think it's his best role. Certainly not one on a championship team, but that's not what the Jazz are asking of him. Having him there in that second, third type of role is a huge asset to have. And that was one of the better signings of the offseason because his ability to take over games and make big shots, I mean, that's something he at a high level last year. We have three tickets to give away. For what? What do they have to do? They have to come in. What's a good song they could sing? I'm a little teapot? <laughs> what if they're a sugar bowl? I don't know. Have you ever seen that joke? Uh, no. The performer gets up in front of everybody with their hands on their hips and says, I'm a little teapot. Here is my handle. Here is my, oh, my sugar bowl or something like that. So, so how do you explain that? <laughs> I don't really think a quarterback should ever lose a starting job based on injury. What do you think about the overall sentiment? I think you have to evaluate. If Baylor Romney had played like Steve freaking Young, I'm not going to give Zach Wilson his job back just because that saying exists. But who has the higher ceiling? If it's Zach Wilson, then you give him the nod. If I were the coaching staff, I would still say Zach Wilson is my QB1, and I'm going to operate under that until the offseason. And then if you want to open it up in spring and fall, go for it. But I think Baylor's been good, but not good enough to supplant Zach Wilson. So are you going to come up with something to give away these tickets or no? How come I got to come up with all the brilliance over here? How about you? Do you have an idea? I told you the teapot thing. Okay. And then you had to go off and do an anecdote about some ridiculous joke that that (laughs) barely makes sense. I saw that once at a theater. This actress got up in front of everybody and did the teapot thing. Let's not go back to the teapot thing. We move forward. Let's not. Uh, look in the rear view mirror here. Let's, let's, here is my handle. Here is my other handle. See? Uh, we, got, we got it. Okay. Yeah, we got it. Hilarious. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling.
This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily. We're live at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West, right here in Salt Lake. You uh, you went and test drove an adjustable bed over there. How'd I that did. go? It's nice. It feel pretty good? Oh, yeah, because the thing, not only does it adjust your head up, your feet up, and then it gives you a massage while you're on there. Really? Yeah. I'm a, what, like like the hotel where you pump a, uh, pump a nickel in there? And it... <laughs> oh, there might be something to be said for it. But, but uh, I'm just telling you that it was, I mean, it was just like there were fingers in there, you know, uh, rubbing my back. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Oh, man. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> Sorry, Howard, Howard is here to save us. Let's get out to this Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He writes for the Bleacher Report. He joins us weekly here on the big show. He is Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Sorry to introduce you uh, with that. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever tried a vibrating bed, Howard? I cannot say I have. You mean like the ones in the old hotels where you like yeah. drop quarters in the thing? Do those still exist? I don't know. That probably has gone the way of the phone booth. Let's let's hope so. Probably okay. for for good reason. Uh, Howard Beck is with us. Ninety-seven-five and twelve-eighty. The zone tonight. Howard Mike Conley makes his uh, his return to Memphis, and it kind of makes this game uh, a, a little bit uh, extra special to watch. Uh, you know, kind of the the face of their franchise for so long uh, return home. Yeah, you know, 12 years in one place in today's NBA is a lifetime. And, you know, it was a pretty great era. I mean, certainly the the, you know, the, the Grizzlies haven't been in Memphis for all that long. But uh, their best years were all with Mike Conley as the foundational piece, uh, you know, along with Marcus Gasol. And, you know, you can put some other guys in there, of course, Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, all those guys who made up the grit and grind era. But, you know, that team is not who they are without Mike Conley uh, running the show. And he, I think, embodied everything that was great about those Grizzlies teams, not just their uh, defensive tenacity and just their fundamental play, but, I mean, really, as you guys are learning there, a really high-character guy and beloved by teammates, a great leader, beloved by the community, I imagine that this is going to be a very, very warm welcome and return, probably quite emotional. We'll see how uh, Mike Conley holds up under all of that in terms of his play because, I, you know, the emotions are real. And, you know, pro athletes are really great when uh, compartmentalizing when necessary and just focusing in on, on the task at hand and, and competing, and, and he will. But hard not to feel uh, all the feels as they say uh, at a moment like this Howard uh, speaking of guys like Mike Conley who's been a voted uh, teammate best teammate in the league of a number of times how important is that stuff I mean because you've probably covered championship uh, teams that uh, might have had some tension on it might not have been a bunch of guys who are going to hang out together uh, how important is that factor it can be. I think it varies team to team. I mean, you know, I covered, you know, those Shaq and Kobe teams that won three championships and went to the finals four out of, of their last five years together. Despite all their tensions, 
So you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to spend every meal together. You don't have to have, you know, great vibes all the time. And in fact, sometimes a little tension can be good for a team, especially when things, uh, after you've been successful for several years on end, and it can get a little stale. And, uh, you know, a little tension helps, you know, keep everybody on edge, keep you sharper. So, you know, you can you can channel that. And you know, we even saw with the Warriors this five-year run, um, it helped to bring in new elements at times. It sometimes helped that Draymond Green was always stirring it up and giving everybody something to, to kind of focus on and conflicts to resolve along the way. Um, you know, infusing new talent at times. You know, I know, you know, like Kevin Durant's obviously not the common version of that, but when you're in, in the midst of a, of a dynastic run, especially, or just a lot of success, just having some new blood come in that, that, that you know, uh, needs to, uh, that, that still needs to achieve something. So you, you can see a number of different ways in which chemistry and either good relations or tense relations, you, all of it can be channeled constructively. But yeah, I think when it's all said and done, I, I think you'd prefer that you have teammates that you really like and respect and that you're not fighting with and that you're not suspecting their motives. And I, yeah, you know, look, the, the, the Grizzlies never broke through, but it wasn't because of any lack of character or professionalism. It was, you know, lack of, of high, high end talent. They had some really good talent, but not super, superstar talent. And, you know, I, I would, I would bet that any guy who was a part of that, those teams, probably really treasured the fact that, you know, whatever success they had, 50 win seasons, going to the conference finals, um, whatever, you know, there, there was a ceiling there, but I'm sure they really enjoyed and, and, and were honored to be a part of something that was not just successful at a certain level, but where everybody really did, you know, enjoy each other's presence and where they really were all pulling in the same direction. And, you know, look, there are probably tensions along the way that maybe we never heard about. There's always going to be some. These guys spent a ton of time together. But I, I, I do think that, that those relationships, um, you know, are, are, are really critical. And, and, and yes, that, that can foster a winning environment. I don't know if you agree with me, Jake, but that seems to be a characteristic that Jazz have captured. Well, I think so, yeah. And Mike Conley is a part of that now. But Rudy Gobert, Howard, has a little bit of an edge to him, but he, he does seem to be concerned first and foremost about the team. Yeah, and look, again, it's not that everybody has to be choir boys, and it's not that they all have to get along all the time, and it's not like everybody, no one can ever step out a little bit or maybe have a selfish moment or maybe have a, a moment of lashing out. Like, it can all happen. But it's, it's more the way you deal with it uh, within your locker room and, and, and as a team and with your coaching staff and everybody else. And I think it's good to have at least one guy in the room who's got some edge and a little bit of nasty to him. Um, that's, you know, again, I think you need all, all, all elements there. And um, if you're going to have somebody who's a little bit of an X factor in terms of their personality, you know, a Draymond Green type or a Dennis Rodman, whoever, um, you can, you know, the, the, the rule of thumb is you can have one of those guys. <laughs> Two can pull apart your team, but you can have one and, and, and just having one can, can actually be, a, 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 again, a, a productive thing. Howard, I'm excited to see the Jazz take on John Morant tonight. He's uh, so far averaging about 18 and 6. Where are you on him and his uh, capability to be a cornerstone for a franchise? He was my kind of, uh, you know, contrarian pick for Rookie of the Year before the season started. So before Zion went down even. And I know that, you know, the overwhelming consensus was that Zion would be Rookie of the Year. And I went with Ja 
for a couple different reasons, not least of which is that because the Grizzlies are so much further from being a good team, I just knew that he would have a ton of opportunities as a point guard with the ball in his hands and with great capabilities as a scorer, as a playmaker. Um, he, he just He's so polished already, and he, he passes at a really high level, and he's explosive. I just thought he'd have all the uh, you know, uh, latitude in the world to put up numbers on a losing team, whereas with Zion, I thought they've got so many veterans on that team and just a lot more overall talent that I thought you know, they wouldn't necessarily need Zion to go supernova every night. Then he got hurt. And now we'll see what he looks like when he gets back, and will he play enough games to even make a, a run at Rookie of the Year? Um, but John ja Morant was an easy pick for me, regardless, because as you guys have seen, the, the kid just knows how to play, and he's super fast and explosive. And you watch the kinds of passes he makes. There are a few guys in the league who make those kinds of passes. Um, just you know, he's got that great court vision, and he's got a, a you know. The, the confidence to go with it too. We saw the game winner the other night. Um, I, I think I think the Grizzlies got themselves a great player. Howard, what's cost? What what has caught you most by surprise thus far? Um, the most by I mean I think there's there's a few different ones. I'm not sure if any of them stand out above the rest. I'm I'm surprised and disappointed that Sacramento Kings are off to this uh, unfortunate start. Um, now, they were struggling even before they had the injuries, but then Bagley goes down and De'Aaron Fox goes down. That's been kind of a bummer because the Kings were a lot of fun for a lot of last season, and I thought this might be a breakthrough year, and so it's been, it's been kind of a bummer seeing that happen. Um, I'm not entirely shocked by Portland slipping because they lost some really important glue guys <laughs> in the offseason. Um, that can cost you, you, even when you've got stars at the level of Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um, you know, the, 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 the Alpha Rukaminos and, and Mo Harkless's of the world are really important, and I, I think they missed those guys. Um, pleasantly surprised, obviously, by the Suns and the Timberwolves, who are both making great strides. I don't know how long they can each keep it up, but it's been fun to see those teams start to, to get some traction. And um, out east, I don't feel like there's any – like the, the east is mostly going to form. The Nets have been a disappointment. The Bulls have been kind of a disappointment. I don't know if anybody's surprising in a positive direction. Like, you know, the Celtics are off to a hot start, but I thought they were good anyway. And, you know, they're, they're you know, obviously exceeding expectations a little bit through 10 games. Um, nothing, nothing else has really leapt out at this point. Um, it's, yeah, pretty much, pretty much just the teams I've mentioned. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us. Howard, will uh, Carmelo Anthony be able to help the Blazers? I don't know. Um, he's been out a year. He's 35. Nobody wanted to pick him up, you know, in, in, in the last 12 months, and that says something. Um, he, I just, I, you know, the, the league clearly doesn't feel like he has a lot left to contribute, and I think for the Blazers, it's it's kind of a situation where there's nothing to lose. Um, they're four and eight. They uh, are, are struggling both ends of the of the ball, and just getting another element in there and somebody that maybe takes some of the, the offensive load off of the backcourt um, couldn't hurt. But, you know, they've got severe defensive problems, and Carmelo Anthony's not solving anybody's defensive problems. Even in his prime, he wasn't solving anybody's defensive problems. It's not what he does. And so, uh, you know, the, the word that kept coming up last night when I was at the Knicks game and, you know, as people were reacting to the news coming across 
the word from whether it was press row or, or scouts, everybody kind of used the same word, which is desperation. It just feels a little desperate. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Look, the, the guy had a, has had a phenomenal career. He will be in the Hall of Fame without a doubt. And, you know, it, it, he didn't get to go out on his own terms. And it's good for Carmelo Anthony that, that he's, you know, getting at least this one more shot. What he can do with it, how far that can go, whether he's a net positive for the Trailblazers, I, I, I just don't even know. Howard, that Doncic kid, I think he can play. <laughs> he's incredible. I mean, he Did you really... think he was going to be that good, Howard? He's He's remarkable. <laughs> He's remarkable, and he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old. He's 20 years old, and he's uh, nearly averaging a triple-double, and he's doing it on high efficiency. His effective field goal percentage is 55. Um, He's still got so much more room to grow as a player, and he's already just so darn good. And there's a confidence and a swagger there, and he makes smart plays and smart reads. He sets up his guys. He gets a little overeager sometimes or a little too carried away with the deep threes or, or just, you know, you know, the heat check type stuff. But, you know, that's that's youth and that's high talent. When, you, when you're a talented player at, at that level, you know, you're going to get a little over-exuberant at times, and especially when you're young and, and feeling your way. And he's got a great coach in Rick Carlisle, who's you know one of the best in this league. Who you know I'm, I'm sure has to make those make that call night to night when to rein him in and when to let him just kind of you know uh, feel it out and 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 take his shots. Um, and the Mavericks will continue to have their ups and downs, but man, uh, he's a generational talent. He's going to have a very long and spectacular career. Howard, if a uh, if a, uh, let's see, if a wizard came along and said, "Hey, uh, you could uh, switch places with David Fisdale right now," would you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I would take any job of any level at Madison Square Garden ever. Um, I've been around here too long to uh, to 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 make that kind of mistake. Um, they pay very well. But there's always a, a you know a, a price you pay for that paycheck, and um, what the Knicks did this week, what their owner Jim Dolan did by sending Steve Mills and Scott Perry out after the tenth game of the season to hold an impromptu press conference before Fisdale even spoke, and to basically put him on notice publicly was just uh, flabbergasting. None of us have ever seen anything like that. Nobody in this league has ever seen anything like that. It looked panicky. It looked uh, amateurish. And it sent the wrong message. And it gave them four or five straight days of bad news coverage, essentially negative coverage of they're going to fire Fisdale. It's just a matter of time. It it was destabilizing. It it, it was just a a completely destabilizing move, and you could see it in their faces. Steve Mills and Scott Perry didn't want to be up there addressing the media after Game 10 to talk about their 2-8 and start. That was Jim Dolan blowing up in the course of the game and then ordering them out there. And it's not fair to Fisdale. It's not fair to those players. And, you know, I was at the game last night, and the atmosphere was great. You know, Knicks fans were having a great time, you know, booing and, and yelling things at Kristaps at Porzingis for having the temerity to not want to play for a dysfunctional franchise. And they won the game. 
and they had you know the, the the atmosphere was great and and for a moment things seemed fine and it just showed you how unnecessary it was to take the steps that they did on Sunday in having that impromptu presser because things can change so rapidly just cool your heels let it go see if the team will turn around on their own and if eventually you think that things are still not going the right way after 15 20 25 games and you want to hold a press conference and do it then but 10 games in just looks panicky and lame Man, I, this isn't so much a question as it is just a comment, but maybe we're spoiled here having a classy owner of the Jazz like Gail Miller. But I don't know how the fans in New York put up with Jim Dolan. I, 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 maybe they don't. They generally don't. I mean, if you were to do a poll of New Yorker, New Yorkers of, you know, most unpopular New York figures, Dolan's going to be in the, you know, if, if not number one, he's top three. Um, and... That, that like that that would be this year, last year, every year since I've been out here, and I've been here for 15 years now, um, and it's it's only gotten worse over time. Uh, he's he's done a terrible job of stewarding this franchise, and it's not always the case that you can always point to the worst teams and point to the owner as being the cause, and point to the best teams and say that the owner it's because of great ownership. It doesn't always always translate. But there's a pretty high correlation. If you're a, a perpetually bad team, you probably have a really bad owner. And that's certainly the case with the Knicks. And I feel for Knicks fans, and most of them recognize it. There are a few, you know, you spend too much time on Twitter, as I do, you'll find the Knicks apologists, the Dolan apologists, who will, who will say, oh, well, at least he spends. That's true, he spends. But he makes a lot of bad decisions. He meddles. He's impulsive. He hires the wrong people quite often. He keeps employed some of the wrong people who have who have – survived multiple multiple administrations um and he has prevented some very good people from wanting to to come here and so while people are talking about well the knicks will make a run at masai ujiri yeah maybe they will but i, I don't think masai would take that job because he knows what the knicks are and he, he knows what the situation here is and and i think guys of his caliber would just as soon steer clear they you know he's he's got a pretty good gig where he is Howard, you are the best. Thank you very much for jumping on with us, as always. Enjoy the basketball this weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you then. Thank you, Howard. We appreciate you. Howard Beck, Bleacher Report. Panicky and lame. He's right, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's not, it's not always the case, but there is that correlation there between owners who really know how to do it and owners who are clueless. And I, you would think, I must assume that, that guys like Jim Dolan must have a blind spot or a lack of awareness of themselves. Well, I mean, it, it's it's just another reminder that it's it's crazy. There are some really bad owners in sports. I mean, look at uh, look at Haslam, the owner for uh, for the Cleveland Browns. He's terrible. <laughs> and should we all be surprised that his his team has, you know, behavioral issues? I guess not. Right? Yeah. Well, or or is his franchise lacks discipline? I mean, look, look at the Washington Redskins. Look at the old LA Clippers. I mean, it's just so important to have a yeah. a a good ownership that sets that sets the example from the top down. I, I, I think it is the most important thing. I really do. And maybe you can make an argument for a president or a VP of personnel or a coach or something. But to me. 
It starts right there at the top. So with that in mind, we are live at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. What, what's your opinion, Gordon, on undercutting the owner with deals that would upset him? <laughs> oh, I think uh, while, while he's away, uh, <laughs> Race can play all he wants. Hi, Race. To the benefit of our listeners. It's very easy to say, I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's because amazing. you've been working with him, too. There's nothing he can do to you, Race, you know? <laughs> Hey, a customer just called up and asked, uh, hey, I heard your specials, but are you going to have anything on mattresses today? I haven't heard anything. And I said, yes, we do. Everybody knows that the warehouse here in Salt Lake and in Orem has Utah's best prices on mattresses, not just today, but every day. We have all the name brands, 50 to 80% off. How about another boom price? Queen size mattress and foundation until Monday, two forty nine. Jeez, come in and say you heard it on the zone, and you can also buy a gel pillow. Got them right over there, twenty bucks. Those are comfy. I know they are great. I have a few myself. Twenty bucks for those pillows if you come in and say you heard it on the zone. Cal King mattresses. How about starting at one ninety nine? Can't do that anywhere else in Salt Lake. King mattresses. Starting at two ninety nine, and of course we have our Jazz the Zone mattress special, our Queen mattresses. I'm not allowed to say the name brand, but it's one of the S's. I got ten left. Sells normally for seven ninety nine, three hundred ninety nine dollars until Monday. How about that? Boom, as Tom would say. Boom. 1967 South, 300 West. Get down here, take advantage of it. We still have some jazz gear for you. Also have three pair of tickets we're giving away today. You can enter to win those. And don't forget about their grand opening at their Orem location, 86 East University Parkway. We will have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Don't forget jazz pregame starts at 5. Tip off for the jazz game against the Grizzlies tonight at 6. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You ain't nothing but a hound Big Show 97.5, 12 into the zone. Gordon Monson, and Jake Scott live from the warehouse. Come by and see us, 1967 South, 300 West, right here in Salt Lake City. Come register to win a pair of jazz tickets. We're giving away three pair, actually, today to the Minnesota game. And uh, as I mentioned, grab some jazz gear. And, of course, the best deals in town here at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Gordon, this seems to be the big topic nationally and on Twitter, and I didn't really want to dwell on it today, but uh, I, th- I think we should bring it up. What do you think about the idea of of pressing charges against Miles Garrett for swinging that uh, that helmet? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that I absolutely won't go there. But I'd prefer not to. I don't see. I, I think it it almost sets a dangerous precedent, right? Because I mean, how many laws are broken at a at a typical football game? Right. Like if it didn't happen on the field, mm-hmm. I mean, there's assaults on every play, right? And his and the penalties can be stiff. You know, I mean, it, when that kind of indiscretion occurs, you can really make a guy pay for it. Without having the law get involved. How so? Well, I mean, if you want to suspend him, fine him, I mean, he can end up having to pay. That that could cost him a whole lot of money. Right. 
and not that money is everything, but uh, these guys don't want to be losing that kind of thing. And I, I, I get that you're trying to uh, enforce a standard and, and punish the individual involved, but I think you're also trying to set, uh, set, set a line where you say to the other players in the league, we will have none of this. What if I... But not with the law. See, it's it's kind of a delicate. I agree with you, by the way. But but like, what if I punched you right in the face? But we're not playing would, football. Would me getting fired be justice enough for you? Um, you see what I mean? Yeah, but but it's different when you're on a football field. I think or on a. On I I agree, but rink. if you're Mason Rudolph. Would you want to see justice? Uh, in the form of, okay, fine him, but dump it all in my bank account? <laughs> you get all of his money. He has to, <laughs> has to, Give me the money you were going to pay him. Uh, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I Is that what, is that what, uh, the, is this what, uh, what this is all about? The, the, the quote unquote victim getting vengeance? Yeah. I mean, he is the victim. And Austin sent out a tweet, and I didn't remember this, that Marty McSorley actually got charged when he hit Donald Brashear with his uh, with his stick. I should bring up Austin's Twitter did account. That, did, that get, uh, did that get uh, thrown out, or did he actually? No, I think according to Austin, he was convicted. Again, mm-hmm. give me a, and he had to, he had probation or something. And that like was that. wicked. That that was uh, that was beyond aggressive. But uh, uh, here's what Austin said. Austin said uh, Marty McSorley was charged with assault with a weapon in 2000, found guilty, 18 month probation, couldn't play against Brashear, his victim. Uh, but you could you could handle that. You could accomplish that same thing without the law involved, couldn't you? No, either. the law has to put him on probation. 18 well, month probation. OK, probation. But it's not like he did hard time. No, he did not do hard time. But I mean, he has that on his record, right? <laughs> I'm with you. Is Listen. that what you're trying to do, though? Is that what you're trying to do? Trying to mess up the guy's life? I, I I think you can you can accomplish much of the same thing just within the uh, the, the the laws of the league or the regulations or the rules. I. I, I, maybe I maybe I'm just not thinking clearly here, but I I, I would prefer that the courts stay out of it unless somebody is. <laughs> uh, truly maimed, then then I might have a different opinion. See, I I I'm so conflicted on this because it's 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 conflicting values, right? Where where what we're all willing to sacrifice enforcement of laws for sports. We do well, it all the time. Yeah, we do it all the, the time. But where do you but, draw that line? Because on a, like right. you, like you said earlier, during any typical football game, if somebody did that, to what they do as a part of the game to one another on the street, they'd be thrown in jail for that. Right. But I do think it's also reasonable to expect uh, somebody not to swing a, a helmet at your you know, uncovered head, right? Shouldn't you be able to, like, we should all be able to go to work and expect a certain kind of environment. And if yeah. you're a football player, you know, obviously you're, you're going to go to work and expect some violence, right? But mm. is, is it reasonable to expect that you're not going to have anybody swing a helmet at your head? I but, think okay, so. Okay, so delineate between how the victim uh, w- finds more satisfaction out of the law getting involved as opposed to this case where he could be suspended for a long, long time, and he will be. 
And this is going to cost him dearly. Right, but in the eyes of the law, he hasn't been held accountable. But in the, in the eyes of the league, he, he will be. And so how does the victim benefit more by having the law involved? They get justice? Well, yeah, but justice is being had here anyway, isn't it? I don't know how much he makes a game. How much would you suppose in, he makes? But but in your he, let's just make give me a number. But in your opinion, if he, if he makes three hundred thousand dollars a game, and it might be more than that, I, I don't know what it is. But it, you know that's that's a whole lot of money that he's going to end up forfeiting, and his reputation has been tarnished in in his workplace, and that's important to these guys. Yeah, but they're not, in your opinion, that that is just, but maybe not Mason, Mason Rudolph's. Maybe he wants to see justice in the eyes of the law. I mean, Gordon, for a white-collar criminal, uh, let's say they get busted and they get fined a couple of million bucks, are you really satisfied with that, or do you want to see him go to jail? Do you think he should go to jail for what happened? No, I don't, time? but you you see my point, right? I mean... Justice is in the eyes of the beholder. It's, maybe, it maybe, satisfies your yeah, criteria, yeah, but I, I know there could be varying points of view on it. Uh, I just, for for me, I would prefer unless somebody is, I mean, suffers in such a way that is, I mean, and, and look, someone would have to draw that line somewhere, and I'm not sure where it would be. But based on what I saw, I was appalled by what I saw. But I, 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 I don't want to see him going to jail for that. Uh, John, and, and I'm not sure has anyone spoken out uh, otherwise. Well, what do you mean? No, I mean there's been a lot of people who've, who've been calling for that in the mm. Twitter sphere or whatever. But uh, let's see, John. Uh, John tweets in. He says, "Don't you think Rudolph should be fined and suspended as well? He started it. I'm worried that people will look at this as why didn't the white guy get punished? I think we can all see. See, we we talked about this early in the show. Who started what is not really relevant here because Mason Rudolph didn't pull off his helmet and hit him with it. I mean, there there was a line that was crossed where you get to the point where like it doesn't matter what the other guy did to provoke it. That's not relevant because you no matter what you can't swing a helmet at somebody's bare but, but, head. But I do think it's important to note that the, what within what context did this. Did this erupt? It was within the context of the game, a very violent game. It wasn't in the context of the game, though. This was extracurricular. Well, it was, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's not like two people walking down the street and all of a sudden somebody assaults somebody right, else. I get it. This is, a, this is a real battle, physical battle taking place out on the field, and then someone loses control. Uh, to, to me, that that is an explosive mix that is different than average living. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie MASH? Not the TV yes. show, yeah. the, the movie. I, yeah. And the, you remember the football scene where they were playing football? It's toward the end. And uh, the the other team had had one running back that that was tearing them up. So they they filled the syringe with some sort of uh, you know I don't know uh, filled the syringe with something. And in the pile, the syringe came out and they put it into the guy. And then he couldn't he couldn't run straight. Yeah, okay. he, you remember what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Yeah, and he was all of a sudden out of the game. Well, what if that happened in real life? Would that be? I mean, would that be in the context of the game? You know what I mean? No, like, because like, think about I, I, it. Like, no, but swinging a, your a helmet, me, a medical needle out there on the field. But in, this, in this case, it's a helmet. 
in, in this case, it's something it, it's something that isn't supposed to be used in that fashion that's being used, but in the context of game. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I see it, but everyone's wearing one. So? I don't see anybody carrying a syringe with them out on the field. Yeah, but in, like in hockey, can you p- pull off your skate and attack somebody? Everybody's got <laughs> skates. Maybe if you slit someone's throat. Jeez, that got <laughs> really graphic all of a sudden. Then maybe, oh, my gosh. <laughs> then I think you could say, okay, call the cops. Not sports you report. Don't, you don't say call Coming the commissioner. Coming up next. He slit his throat. Call the commissioner. 1967 South, 300 West. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. want to remind you to join us, The Big Show, Wednesday, next Wednesday, November 20th from 3 to 6 at Homey, 10355 South Jordan Gateway, Suite 550, right there in South Jordan. Come hang out with us. It is time right now for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Gordon, where are we going today? We're staying right here at home in Salt Lake City. Okay. Now, this story is a sad one, and uh, let me warn everybody beforehand that it's kind of sad, especially if you're a pet lover. Oh, I'm looking at the headline right now. Adrian, have have Casey Kasem and some drops ready to go. (laughs) Jake, have, have you ever been jealous... Because Naz loves something else, uh, or it gives a lot of affection to something else, uh, you know, say like a pet dog. Uh, no, no, I have not experienced that. We're we're not. We don't have a pet. Well, okay. The headline here: Utah man accused of killing girlfriend's dog because he was jealous of it. That's from the Salt Lake Tribune. And the story goes like this, that a South Salt Lake man is accused of slamming his girlfriend's dog on the floor, telling her, I'm going to kill your dog because you love him more than me. Jeez. You you ever reading this stuff, don't you think to yourself, though, that maybe the dog isn't the issue? <laughs> the dog had nothing to do with it. The dog would just happen to be there. Um <laughs> But for for this, this individual to hold the dog as high as he could and throw him throw him down hard on the floor, he went he went into a seizure and then he died. This it was is, a Maltese, and uh, this is horrible. You realize we're ending the show right here. This is how we want to do it. Well, I just I, this is more a cautionary tale. Keep your emotions in check. Just because a woman loves a dog doesn't mean she doesn't love you. Here we go. We're having an upbeat show, and then <laughs> Gordon has to have a dedication about a dog dying. The man was charged with third-degree felony torture of a companion animal. This is kind of a downer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge downer. Why, why did we pick this? Because it's unusual. I've never heard of such so? a thing. I mean... <laughs> Jake, let's say that your love interest had a parakeet and loved the parakeet and used to kiss the parakeet and love the parakeet. That doesn't mean you're going to, like, pull out a kitchen knife and... Okay. All right. We're live at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. 
races with us now. Race, uh, let's let's talk about something else. I, I mean, uh, furniture, mattresses, whatever you want to get to. Uh, as long as it's something else, I'm I'm fine with it. Casey Kasem. Do we need the Casey Kasem drop? Really? You're not, not going to go there, Adrian. Hey, you oh, know, I I apologize, I, Race. I really didn't want to bring in your your spot here with this. Uh, let's. Uh, I'll bring something to your attention. Every day when people come in, they ask us one question. How long have we been in business? And did you know that we're one of Utah's oldest Ashley furniture dealers in Utah? We used to have an old saying. A lot of people remember it. Come in where we stack it deep and sell it cheap. (laughs) That was our old saying many, many years ago when we were furniture warehouse on Road Redwood. Yeah. And everybody remembers that company with the dad and the son that used to be in the cowboy outfits dancing in front of the store. Well, that's us. Doesn't matter what you want. If it's Ashley Furniture, we're going to save you money. Come in to our big warehouse here and see our incredible warehouse collection of Ashley Furniture. We also have what's called the Wonder Wall right over here as you come in. It's a big 42-inch color TV. It's the Master Ashley Ordering System. It's a touchscreen ordering system for Ashley right here in the store in Salt Lake and down in Orem. You can look up every Ashley item right here in the store and then let us give you the best price guaranteed we'll even match price the same like items so if you're looking for Ashley furniture Tom and I both will tell you this go ahead and look find the item you want then bring that item number into us and we're going to save you money every single time 1967 South, 300 West. And don't forget about their brand new location in Orem, 86 East University Parkway, right there in the old Toys R Us building. Gordon, uh, we've got Jazz Game Night pregame show coming up next. Tim Lacombe's going to jump on with me. It's good to see you, buddy. Good you, to see you. You. Uh, you know what? You enjoy your weekend. You enjoy your Saturday and Sunday. And I'll see I'll, you on Monday. I'll be working hard, man. We, I, I wish everyone a happy, happy sports weekend. Can't believe you brought up that story at the very uh, end. I, 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 so, I'm sorry. I, I, it might have it might have lightened up the mood if Adrian had gone ahead and played the uh, Casey case. But on principle, it, no. It's really nothing to laugh about. Jazz game night pregame show starts next. 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone. I hate goodbyes. I won't have to work until Monday. Woo-hoo! All right. Well, have a good weekend.